What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Jesse Strauss. We're continuing our conversation about the battles in Palestine. We're joined now by Suzanne Ali, an organizer with the local chapter of the Palestinian Youth Movement and a law student. Good morning, Suzanne. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. And we're also joined by Lara Kiswani, the executive director of the Arab Resource and Organizing Center, which organizes for racial and economic justice and the dignity and liberation of Arab and Muslim communities here in the Bay Area. Good morning, Lara. Good morning, Jesse. So you're both Palestinian organizers in the Bay. I'm going to ask both of you this question, but Lara, I'd like to start with you. This renewed battle for Palestinian land is unprecedented in a handful of ways. How has it impacted you to watch these volleys of attacks? And how are you and your folks at the Arab Resource and Organizing Center dealing with the complexities, starting with Hamas fighters flying over the border fence and bulldozing sections of it? And then, of course, a new declaration of war by Israel. Well, we have been impacted by this for several years, for all of our lifetimes as Palestinians, as you know. And the most recent, um, you know, escalation is an indication of the the gravity of the occupation and settler colonial violence across Palestine. This has been so far the deadliest year for Palestinians, and this is not a surprise that people caged um, for decades would want to get rid of these cages, and that's what we've witnessed happen in the last several days. For all of us here in the Bay Area and all of us in diaspora, we've been watching from afar, both in awe and, um, you know, bracing ourselves for what's to come. We know that the Palestinian people, our people have been resilient and steadfast in their struggle and our struggle for liberation and freedom, and that hasn't changed. Um, and we also know that when we do resist and when we are heroes in our struggle and not the victims that we are treated differently by the international community. Um, so, And we've already seen that locally and across the United States with elected officials, um, people in power issuing condemnation statements, but having never said a word or uttered a word of solidarity with Palestinians over the last 75 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're concerned about the long-term impact this will have on our families, on our youth, on the most vulnerable of us here in the Bay Area. And we're also concerned about the on-the-ground violence, as many of us have been watching, as our friends have lost loved ones in the last few days, um, since as of recent when Israel has bombarded Gaza in its worst bombardment in history. So it is not complex, um, but it, it is worrisome and also a logical outcome of 75 years of settler colonial violence. I think what is complex is the way in which people in the West understand it and respond and overcomplicate it mm. rather than understanding this as simple as a simple problem between an occupier and occupy between the oppressed and the oppressor and knowing that they need to stand on the right side of history with those at the receiving end of violence and actually advance a real peace agenda, not a war agenda by supporting the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lara. Suzanne, I want to bring you in with the same questions. How are the actions of the past few days impacting you and the folks you organize with? with the Palestinian youth movement? Mm-hmm. Like Lada said, this is something that isn't necessarily new. This has been ongoing for over 75 years where our people in Palestine have been under the conditions of 
colonialism, occupation, and dealing with the system of apartheid. Every single day, there is peace for Israeli settlers. It's violence for Palestinians. And the media has constantly been silent all this time. But now that we see Palestinians have reached a breaking point, they can no longer breathe. So they are resisting by any means necessary. And the international community is condemning people for being supportive of our people's right to self-defense. So how we are impacted here in the diaspora, obviously it's painful to see the mainstream media repeat itself like this. It's not shocking, of course. This is not something new to us again. Um, it's also impactful on a personal level because some of us have families back home, especially in Gaza, and you see the bombing campaigns that are happening as a retaliation um, from the settler colonial occupation state of Israel. And so how we feel is that it's our role in the diaspora to play when our people rise up against the decades-long Zionist occupation. It's our role to join them in like our people rising up in Palestine and countries across the Arab world. We also rise up in the locations where we live to express our vocal support and solidarity with Palestinians who are resisting and who have been resisting for over 75 years. Suzanne, you mentioned that Palestinians have reached a breaking point from the past 75 years of Israel's encroachment. For many, for all these years, we've seen maps published that show Israel's encroachment onto Palestinian land. In the past few days, for the first time in my life, um, and probably both of yours as well, I've seen maps that do the opposite, that show mm -hmm. Palestinians gaining ground and reclaiming land that used to be theirs those people are fighting somehow successfully to take back settlements and more in what seems like an attempt at building a land pathway or a land bridge between Gaza and the West Bank. I'm wondering if the two of you have seen those same maps and whether they've had an impact on you in your communities, that is, seeing maps that show Palestinian-controlled land actually growing. Let's let's bring in Suzanne first, and then we'll go to Lara. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Obviously, this is something that's completely unprecedented, but also something that we know is kind of inevitable, right? Since my own grandparents had been kicked out of their homes in 1948, we always knew that the possibility of return is something that's inevitable. And this is how it's playing out. This is decolonization in real time where Palestinian, indigenous Palestinians are fighting back against their oppressors their occupiers and reclaiming their land. And so we're seeing people become excited about the fact that like the resistance right now in reclaiming these lands are showing how actually weak the occupier is and how possible liberation is. And so this is something that it doesn't excite us to see so much death, but it gives people hope and it lifts our head to see that our homeland is being reclaimed by our people after so long, like it's been 75 years plus and our people are still steadfast. So it's incredible to see that. 
Lara, do you have anything to add in terms of the impact of seeing those maps of Palestinian land growing? Well, I'm sure many of your listeners have seen the messages um, on social media where people are posting, this is what decolonization looks like. And that's truly what what sums up the maps you're talking about. Um, You know, when we say we're fighting for our freedom, for our self-determination, for the right of return, we're fighting for land and life. And that also means that we're going to reclaim that land. Um, And that's what we've witnessed. It's been incredible. And as Suzanne mentioned, we knew this is always been possible and the fact that and you know my father um is older than the state of israel and i believe that you know this the state of israel and settler colonialism um apartheid these are not things that are inevitable and forever at the end of the day freedom and um, freedom of of, from oppression self-determination and dignity are what we're fighting for and i do believe that's possible Um, and i do believe that what we're seeing today across palestine and with what's happening as we've seen the borders expand from Gaza into historic Palestine. It's an indication of what's possible. It's also an indication of our people's will, our people's will to fight, our people's will to live, and our people's inevitable um, will to win. People's inevitable will to win. I want to bring it back home. You all are both part of organizations that support Palestinian and um, and Arab folks organizing here for liberation. What does your organizing and support work look like now? I know both of you, both of your organizations were involved in a rally that was held outside the Israeli embassy in San Francisco on Sunday. What are the next steps in, in your organizing processes in relation to this? Uh, let's bring Lara in first. You know, as always, when we see um, an escalation in settler colonial violence in our homeland, we do rapid response actions. People want to be in the streets together. They want to be in community. They also want to express their solidarity with our people back home um, and joint struggle with people across the world who are also marching and protesting um, in solidarity with Palestine. And that's, you know, what we did the other day. There was a mass turnout of thousands of people, um, not just Palestinian and Arabs, but many of our communities and allies who showed up, including anti-Zionist Jewish allies, to say that really the solution here is ending the occupation. The solution is ending U.S. aid to Israel. The solution is ending the brutal siege on Gaza. Um, And that was what we chanted. That's what we demanded. And that's what we also made sure we echoed across the world. That's what we're going to continue to do. You know, we have a responsibility here in the belly of the beast to hold the U.S. government accountable for enabling and making possible the Israeli apartheid regime. We have an accountability to hold our electeds accountable. If people are serious about ending what they call this recent violence, if they're serious about ending the violence in Palestine, then we need to end the settler colonial regime. We need to end the occupation. And that's actually possible. And we're hearing very concrete demands coming from the ground in Palestine to free the political prisoners, um, to end the occupation, and to you know allow people to live in their dignity and freedom in a real democratic state for all people. That's not very complicated. And these are demands that you would imagine any progressive society would support. So our work in the coming days is to ensure that these demands are heard by those in power, particularly in the U.S., given that we fund Israel by $3.8 billion a year. And in recent days, we've only decided to embolden that. Um, we, meaning the U.S. government, of course, not us as people here in the United States. And then lastly, 
We're very concerned about increased repression, surveillance, and criminalization of Palestinian work here in the United States. Um, as of recent, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, and the FBI put out an alert um, essentially saying they're going to be surveilling us more in the United States. And what that means, we all, those of us who organize and remember the post 9-11 days, we know that it means that we have to protect ourselves, we have to educate our communities about the surveillance and FBI repression and what it means when they target Arabs and Muslims. And we need to be able to have community self-defense um, programs so that we are prepared for when the continued attacks continue here in the United States. Lastly, I'll say we've also witnessed really disgusting and shameful statements of condemnation coming from school districts. Um, these statements simply say we stand with Israel. Um, and we know that these statements coming from those in power who run the schools that our youth and students um, spend most of their lives in these mm -hmm. classrooms are going to be now facing increased marginalization, alienation, but also bullying and Islamophobia and racism, not only from students and others, but from their teachers and those in power. And what that means is we need in more solidarity from our allies here in the Bay Area to ensure that we're holding those in power accountable for the words they're using, the actions they're taking, and ensuring that they are actually supporting and centering the lives of all people impacted, particularly the most vulnerable, that being the occupied indigenous people of Palestine, and the many thousands of them who are here in the Bay Area now waiting to be supported. Um, so we're watching for the increased surveillance, we're watching for the ongoing attacks and the discriminatory policies that may come um, as a result of the U.S. commitment to U.S. imperialism, militarism, and its proxy state, Israel. And we're also watching to protect our communities and support them in these times. Many people, are, as Suzanne was saying, are losing loved ones every day right now, and we want to make sure that they have a place to share and grieve and mourn, but also to take action so to ensure that in our lifetime this does not continue. And that's the voice of Lara Kiswani, the executive director of the Arab Resource and Organizing Center. Suzanne, I want to bring that same question to you. What is the ongoing work in response here locally now coming from yourself and the Palestinian youth movement? Very similarly, almost exactly the same as what Lara was just saying. It's important for us to reach out to our community and allow them the space to come out and just express their emotions right now. So as we saw on Sunday, like over 3,000 people came out in the streets in support of Palestinian self-defense. And at the same time, well, and also this is not just to include like the Palestinian and Arab community, but as uh, Lara mentioned, there's Jewish Voice for Peace, the International Jewish Anti-Zionist Network, and so many more. And at the same time, we are also very fearful of the repression that's to come with this. So we have to, like Lara said, um, be supported by our solidarity partners and others in our communities who are willing to like hold our hands and understand the complexities that's going to come with all the repression. And but we also like stand firm and understand that we will be on the right side of history at the end of the day. Another thing is that from the Palestinian youth movement's perspective, we understand that too often in the mainstream media, Palestinians' reaction to the Israeli state violence are often framed as just 
isolated events as if they're not they have not been living under occupation under the threat of genocide for the past seven decades and we understand there needs to be a reframe of this narrative in the united states in in the united states which is automatically granting israel the position of being victim and palestinians as aggressors this is it's evident that's what's happening on the ground in palestine is a strategic response to israeli state violence that's been ongoing for over seven decades and so it's important for us to take the position of affirming that palestinians just like any oppressed people globally have the right to refuse the crushing boots of colonial violence and moments of peace again for israelis or the occupation are lifetimes of violence for palestinians another thing from our perspective is that we have been challenging the frameworks which emerged as a byproduct of the oslo accords or namely like cementing the rights-based and NGO-based solutions for Palestine. This moment requires a grassroots movement of Palestinians, Arabs, and all oppressed people to get organized under the banner, the legitimate banner of the right to resist and liberate land in service of true decolonization. And we reject the path of compromise that says that we have to plead with our occupiers for crumbs of land, for crumbs of safety. And what we are seeing in Palestine right now is a roadmap of what the process of decolonization looks like. And we know that decolonization is a tangible event that demands the liberation of land and resources. So this is stuff that we need to continuously raise the consciousness of people here towards this framework that our people have a right to self-defense just like anyone else in the world that is confronting their oppressor. Thank you, Suzanne. We only have about 30 seconds left each. I just want to ask, you've both mentioned that it's vital to have people who are want to stand up in solidarity with yourselves, with the people of Gaza, with your organizations. To, to do so, do you all have ways for people to step up and plug in? Um, let's bring in Lada first and then Suzanne. Yeah, we just say get involved with the organizations, follow our organizations and learn about the upcoming actions. There'll be more to come as we have to respond to what's happening. And you can learn more about AROC by following AROC Bay Area on social media and ArabOrganizing.org online. And Suzanne? Uh, pretty much the same thing. It's please follow our organizations on social media. And that way you can keep up with what's going on. And you can find out about actions that are upcoming near you, actions, actions events, et cetera, that are upcoming. And you can follow the Palestinian Youth Movement on Instagram. It's just Palestinian Youth Movement, no space on Instagram. Again, those websites are palestinianyouthmovement.com and the Arab Resource and Organizing Center's website is araborganizing.org. Lada and Suzanne, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning and sending you and your communities love and safety. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. 
The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.